It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Doc, are you there? I'm there. Is that any better? Yeah, it's a little better, but uh, call me after the program. We'll have to make some changes, but today we'll go with this. So what do we got cooking on historical facts today? Well, I'm going to tell you the story of a man that I'm going to bet that there is nobody that's heard of this guy. He was a robber and a thief, but uh, he wasn't a Jesse James or anything like that. But I'm going to bet nobody has heard of this guy, Billy Miner. Okay. Ever heard of this guy? Billy Miner. No, I never have, but I'm certain you're going to tell me all about him. Go ahead. I'm going to tell you all about this guy. Well, Billy Miner was also called the Gray Fox. Now, when the Gray Fox robbed you, you were well and truly robbed and maybe a little bit in love with this guy. According to all accounts, this Kentucky-born Billy Miner, also known as the Gray Fox, was Canada's first train robber. But Miner was as polite and charming as they come. In fact, uh, he might say something like, uh, mighty pretty dress you have on there, miss. Pardon me while I take all your husband's worldly goods. Now, uh, he actually became the most wanted man in New Mexico, Georgia, Colorado, Illinois, Michigan, Oregon, Washington, and British Columbia. And again, a guy that I'm going to bet nobody's really heard much about. But uh, his career actually spanned the end of the 19th century and actually into the beginning of the 20th century. But he gained folklore as uh, the gentleman train robber. Now, he wasn't really a shoot-em-up, pistol-packing kind of guy, a kind of robber, but uh, it wasn't just his impeccable manners that brought him legendary claim. Billy Miner was the first man to rob the Canadian Pacific Railway. Now, in the eyes of the Canadian farmers and ranchers and miners who lived up in there, uh, this was actually a good thing to do. Uh, in fact, they said... Uh, Oh, Bill Miner's not so bad. He only robs the Canadian Pacific once every two years. But the Canadian Pacific robs us every day. <laughs> so they kind of were kind of a Robin Hood type thing, I guess. But the Canadian Railway Company was generally perceived in the West as a land-grabbing, money-grubbing institution that only served the interests of an elite group of Easterners. Uh, thousands of railway-hating folks in the West protested the grain rates, the land giveaways, the intrusion of the Canadian Pacific into their lives. So Bill Miner tackled the big boys when he sidled up to the Canadian Pacific with a grin on his face and a gun in his hand. And his exploits kind of induced uh, kind of an admiration in the rural communities of British Columbia and elsewhere across the West. Now, Miner was born in Bowling Green, Kentucky around 1843. He was the son of a school teacher and a miner. And he arrived in San Diego at the height of the Apache War. Now, he wasn't afraid to ride through the hostile native territories, and he became a messenger uh, delivering mail to points east of California. And because his uh, hide was on the line, basically, his price was high, $25 per letter, and that accumulated pretty quickly. And before long, Billy became kind of a big spender, and so to maintain the lifestyle he'd become accustomed to, 
Billy contemplated a little visit to the wrong side of the law. So this is where he kind of deviates from uh, honesty to dishonesty. But anyway, young miner decided fast money could be had by ambushing slow-moving stagecoaches uh, that had payrolls and one thing or another. So miner robbed his first coach in California and uh, must have considered a, a pretty good haul, 200 bucks for uh, easy money. And so miner continued uh, doing this until he was finally caught by the U.S. Marshals. And they tracked him down and captured him in 1866. So at this point, he's actually only about 23 years old. Well, he was convicted on two charges of stagecoach robbery, and the penalty was tough. San Quentin Prison, one of the dingiest holes in the state of California. This became Billy Miner's home for four years. And little did he know that he'd see the inside of San Quentin more than once in his career. So we move ahead a few years. San Quentin in the mid-19th century, like I say, was dismal. And when Miner was released in 1870, now he's about 27 years old, he had endured isolation, starvation, filthy conditions, beatings by the guards and by other criminals. So he wasn't quite the same happy-go-lucky kid who'd entered San Quentin, and he was, unfortunately wasn't long for freedom. Within a year of his release, he was robbing stagecoaches again in California, and as they would have it, he was thrown back into San Quentin in 1871. Now, this time, Miner was given a 12-year sentence. Well, he served two years before scaling the walls in his first daring prison break, and despite being captured and thrown into solitary confinement, within hours, uh, the taste of freedom must have kind of got to him a little bit, uh, because for the Gray Fox, uh, he was able to escape prison five more times. Now, San Quentin, I don't know, I've never been there, but uh, uh, must have bought, not have been too good to escape that many times. Anyway, after serving long, uh, nine long years, uh, Miner was finally released from San Quentin in 1880. Okay, now he's about 36 years old, but still, you know, fairly young man. Now, in need of quick cash, the Gray Fox quickly resumed his old profession, hitching up with a guy by the name of Billy Leroy, also also known as Arthur Pond. Are you there, Zim? Yes, I am. I'm listening. Go ahead. Okay, I'm sorry. I just heard some screeching. I didn't know there. Uh, anyway, uh, uh, he hooked up with a guy named Arthur Pond, and Miner also changed his identity, and he worked under the alias of William A. Morgan. So he relieved the Del Norte stage of about $3,600 in gold and coin and dust. And before the stagecoach moved on, Miner had saddlebags crammed with stolen goods and wished the driver a safe journey. But uh, ever the gentleman, Miner didn't want to see lives lost owing to careless driving, so he told him to be careful driving. But Miner must have aspired to a gentleman's lifestyle because he adopted to it easily. Uh, a change of name, a new city, and a bunch of cash were the only things he needed to, to establish himself with the best of the upper crust of society. Now, in 1880, uh, he was pretty comfortable. He was living in a place you might have heard of, Onondago, Michigan. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I'm not exactly sure where it is, but I know the town. I've heard of it before, Yes. Okay. Well, he moved into that city in Michigan, and he was hosting parties. He was kind of a ladies' man, living a life of genteel respectability. And, of course, it was being financed, of course, by his uh, uh, questionable inheritances. 
But uh, he was known now as William Anderson, a kindly gentleman who knew how to treat a girl properly and who had a pretty good figure on the dance floor. Well, of course, he couldn't last. Minor excused himself from the Michigan Society and headed back to Colorado to kind of exercise his chosen career. And again, he was charming and he could draw an impressive crowd, even as a robber. And he was always unfailingly apologetic about having to upset the stagecoach passengers, and he would apologize to them for robbing them. Uh, his signature manners eventually became his undoing, because authorities in the West got wind of the gentleman bandit, and a Colorado posse was formed, and in 1881, uh, they captured the Gray Fox and his, uh, his gang. Anyway, Miner managed to hold up stagecoaches in Arizona and California before he being caught by U.S. Marshals and shipped back to his old stomping grounds. So again, he was admitted to San Quentin for a third time. Now this time, Miner served 20 of his 25 years in the pen. And by the time he was released in 1901, now he's 58 years old, uh, his, his livelihood has kind of been jeopardy because uh, stagecoaches had almost everywhere been replaced by trains. But this didn't stop him. It wasn't uh, much of a difficult transition for this shaggy, gray-haired criminal with the handlebar mustache. Uh, after all, the train was no more than a bunch of strung-together stagecoaches with more gold and fewer people to deal with. <laughs> so in the mountainous train, the slow-moving locomotives labored up hills, and that wasn't much of a challenge to a gang of men on fresh mounts uh, waiting to, to uh, ambush. So Meyer attempted his first train robbery near Portland, Oregon in 1903. A miner and his men kind of boxed their first holdup of a great northern railroad train badly. It had taken at least three men to rob a train. You had to have one guy to threaten the locomotive crew, one to intimidate the passengers, and one to get the express car where the valuables were held. Mm -hmm. Now, because of this kind of nonviolent tendency, miner's task was usually the last so that he would be in the express car. Now, in this great northern robbery, one bandit was killed, another wounded, and in typical fashion, Miner escaped without a scratch. But he drifted north and on into Canada, and now we're into 1904. And he's getting a little for a robber. He's 61 years old now. <clears throat> but Reiner, Miner uh, recreated himself as a retired rancher. And he adopted the name of uh, George Edwards and soon became known as a pleasant, grandfatherly type guy. He was pleasant to the children. He was kind to the orphans. And he even gave generous donations to the church. Well, when George Edwards left his ranch for business in the first week of 1904, none of the neighbors knew Billy Miner was back in the saddle. So the Billy Miner gang was formed, and in 1904, the Canadian Pacific train loaded with gold dust was heading down the, the canyon uh, for the coast when Miner and his gang boarded the train. Well, the Gray Fox and his accomplices netted the gold dust shipment, one thing another valued at about six thousand dollars and so you know 1904 that's that's still a pretty good chunk of, of change so they were pretty delighted by what they'd gotten and so the gang scooped up the profits and they rode the engine about three miles down the track and a daring leap off the train they tumbled down the steep rocky bank and anyway uh, billy miner and his gang they escaped well the canadian pacific immediately offered a reward of five thousand dollars the Canadian government offered $6,000. And again, the rail companies were serious about apprehending this band of thieves, uh, particularly when they knew that the public was, they were really actually kind of behind uh, Billy Miner. 
And they didn't care if the Canadian Pacific was taking a beating. Well, the second minor uh, Canadian Pacific train ro uh, robbery was in 1906, and it kind of turned into a botched business for the Gray Fox and his friends. They chose to ambush the Canadian Pacific Transcontinental Express, and he was convinced that the train was carrying $100,000 in, in gold and, and money. So Miner, Miner ordered the train to be uncoupled, and the mail car, two express cars, and the engine were separated and moved to an isolated part of the tracks. Well, the three bandits uh, rifled through the express cars only to find old mailbags, and the gang ended up splitting $15.50. Oh, my. Now, the sad thing is, I guess if you want to call it that, uh, reports from the Canadian Pacific say the bandits overlooked a bag containing $40,000 in cash, and the safe in the second car, which they also missed, had uh, about another 40000 So they basically missed $80,000 in cash that they could have had. Mm -mm. Well, with the cash reward of almost 15000 a huge manhunt was mounted to bring the gentleman Bannon and his gang to justice, and, and they were wanted dead or alive. So, you know, this was serious business. So 1906, uh, the search for Billy Miner included cowboys and detectives and police, the Royal Northwest Mounted Police. Uh, his face was plastered on every poster and uh, post and uh, between Vancouver, Calgary to Spokane. Well, the Great Fox was cornered. Uh, the gentleman Bannett and his gang were discovered. Even though the trio had fairly credible stories about being prospectors, the Royal Northwest Mounted Police decided to check out the situation for themselves. Well, wasting little time, a party of mounted police married their way to Miner's camp. When questioned about the recent uh, Canadian Pacific holdup, Miner's gang denied it and said they didn't have anything to do with it. Well, uh, the man is they weren't totally convinced about this. In fact, uh, things got bad when one of the gang members pulled a pistol on the posse and made a break for the brush. Well, a round of gunfire caught him in the leg, and Miner and the other guy realized the game was up, and they surrendered. So the three desperados were taken uh, to stand trials uh, for armed train robbery. A miner still claimed to be the gentleman rancher George Edwards. And through two trials, the, fine, the first result resulted in a hung trial, and the second resulting in a quick guilty verdict of life sentence. Mm. Well, by now, the gray fox is 64 years old, and he really is gray. The old prospector with the handlebar mustache still refused to admit, admit that he was the infamous stagecoach and train robber Billy Miner. Well, he was sent to the New Westminster Provincial Jail, still claiming to be innocent. Uh, Miner continued to scheme his escape. He befriended the deputy warden's daughter, and in 1907, uh, with the help of three young convicts, the gentleman bandit dug his way under the fence and vanished beyond the walls of the prison. Oh, my. Once again, the gray fox was on the loose. Well, after his escape, the Gray Fox headed back into the States, and many people in British Columbia were kind of sad to see him go. Well, back in America, uh, four years later, he was once again ro uh, arrested for a train robbery. Well, the gentleman bandit couldn't be kept behind bars. He escaped from the Milledgeville State Prison in Georgia in 1911, but was recaptured, and he died on the inside in uh, at the age of 71 in... 1913. Mm. So Billy Miner was the last of the old-fashioned highwaymen. He spent 36 of his 71 years in prison, plotting how he'd pull off his next great train robbery, very politely. I've got a picture, a wanted poster of this guy's up, and 
uh, he's not smiling at all in this wanted poster. Uh, big old handlebar mustache. Uh, not a bad looking guy. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, that's the story of Billy Miner. How come they haven't done a movie about Billy Miner? Now, to me, uh, his life history about literally spending half of his life behind bars and just not having the common sense that God give a billy goat to give it up and try to find honest work, but yet uh, he died behind bars still trying to rob trains and rob stagecoaches. This guy, they need to do a movie on him. You know, to me, just the uh, escapes from prison, yeah. from Stan Quentin, and, uh, uh, you know, what an amazing guy. Uh, uh, they couldn't keep him in jail, and when they finally did, it was the only way they kept him in was he was dead. He died. <laughs> Actually, they did do a movie on him, and it's called The Gray Fox. It was put out in 1982. Yeah, yeah but wasn't that, um, uh, wasn't the derivative of the movie somewhat different than what this case history was? That's what I'm trying to get at. Actually, says it's a Canadian biographical movie, so it would actually be based on his life. Actually. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. see, the great I fox. Seen that or heard of that, but, uh, I have heard the movie. This guy had, even though it was on the wrong side of the law. So we'll have to check out that movie and see uh, how close it is to to reality, I guess. Yeah, but Billy Miner, um, I had heard the name, now that you mention it, in one of the history books that I've got over here on the on the shelf, but uh, the Gray Fox, wasn't there also another uh, historical figure back in the, was it the Revolutionary War, or was it uh, the War of 1812 that they also called the Gray Fox? You know, there was another Gray Fox, and I do not remember. I, my recollection that it was one of the uh, the Civil War or the Revolutionary or one of those wars, there was a military leader that they referred to as the Gray Fox. Right, but I don't right. remember who that was. Well, Dr. History, you did it again. By the way, tell everybody, how's things going with the, uh, the webcast as far as dr-history.com? What's going on? Well, we're still getting a lot of listeners. Uh, the word is still getting out slowly to people across the world, actually. And again, the last time I checked, 25 countries from Japan to Korea to Israel to Germany, Latvia, Finland, uh, South America, Canada. So we're getting people listening from all over the world. And uh, we just hope they kind of keep telling their friends and that we get a few more listeners. Um, but we've had over 8,000 hits on our site, so we hope that just keeps growing slowly. All right. Well, now, how's retirement treating you? Oh, it's pretty rough. I got up uh, yesterday morning, and I wasn't sure whether to uh, go for a ride on a four-wheeler or go golfing. You know, I just don't know how you stand the stress and the worry. I mean, it must be absolutely traumatic. Well, I did mow the lawn, though. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I'm not totally not doing anything. I, I've got plenty of projects. All right. Well, Dr. Ken Turner, better known as Dr. History, we appreciate it. Thank you. Great job this morning on The Great Fox and the story of Billy Miner. Thank you very much. Thank you. You have a good day, Zap. All right, buddy. Thank you so much. Uh, Dr. History, and uh, always an interesting and very entertaining segment. I appreciate that.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.